With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Won't you stand in your greatness? Good afternoon and welcome to the Nurtured Heart Approach March podcast. I'm Katherine Stafford. I'm a clinical social worker in private practice here in Mill Creek, Washington, and I'm also a Nurtured Heart Approach advanced trainer and author. Today I will be co-hosting, actually hosting solo, as Howard Glasser, who is creator of the Nurtured Heart Approach, has begun his spring training tour, and he's currently igniting even higher levels of greatness in Chico and in Modesto tomorrow, sold-out venue, and then on to San Jose, I believe, on Wednesday. So we wish him well with all of that he's all that he's doing in uh, California. Today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with Frank Pacone. Pacone, sorry, Frank, um, who is in New Jersey, who is preparing for what is going to be a fantastic rollout of a new state initiative for supporting kids at the state level there. And also, Tim, and Tim, I'm sorry, I already forgot your last name, but I didn't write it down. Hunt. It's H-U-N-T, Tim Hunt. And Tim Hunt, who is going to be talking to us about his work with residential treatment facility with Nurture Heart Approach in New Jersey. So I'm going to go ahead and let you guys both introduce yourselves, since there's so much about you, Frank, that I can't even begin to touch on all that you've done. And so good afternoon, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Catherine. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks. Thanks, um, Frank. And a little thanks, bit Tim. about my background. For the past yeah. three, 32 years, I've worked in New Jersey as uh, a therapist, as an administrator, as an executive director in residential treatment for teenagers with a lot of trauma and a lot of other challenging behaviors. Um, about seven years ago, I think, I, seven or eight years ago, I uh, went to a training with Howard Glasser in Princeton, New Jersey, and it just uh, I, I had a pretty extensive training experience going around the state at that point talking about de-escalation and engaging troubled youth. And mm-hmm. when I heard Howard uh, talk about the nurtured heart, it just uh, he promised us in that training that we would have an epiphany, and I had an epiphany that day. I got real excited and uh, drove up to Syracuse, went through the training, came back to New Jersey where I was currently working at a large residential program for about 100 teenagers that live with us for 8 to 10 months, and we try to work with them, and we also had a school. And I uh, immediately came back and told my boss, I've got this new approach, the Nurtured Heart Approach. It's real exciting, and it is my mission to transform all of New Jersey's residential care system into a, a system that really adopts and uses the Nurtured Heart to transform the lives of troubled youth. My boss said, well, how about we start with our place? And that's what we did. We, uh, we turned our school into a Nurtured Heart school at the, uh, at the children's home in uh, southern New Jersey, and uh, we had tremendous success, and the staff were immediately excited about it. And then I began to incorporate it into my private consulting and training business where I be- other residential treatment centers throughout New Jersey began to contact me and say, can you, can you come out here and help us change our cultures to uh, the Nurtured Heart Approach, and then as well as many schools. 
in that first year after I left Syracuse and the one-week certification training and became certified in the Nurtured Heart, uh, my business, my private consulting business doubled. I, mm-hmm. uh, schools were on fire about it. Residentials were on fire about it. And then the, the leaders in the state began to uh, become aware of it, the leaders at our Children's System of Care, which is our mental health program for all youth in the state system in New Jersey. And they, they started steering me towards programs that they thought could benefit by the Nurtured Heart approach. So I, uh, I got steered here and I got steered there. And one of the programs um, that I got steered to was uh, Ranch Hope, a residential program in southern Jersey. That's where I met Tim and Jackie and a lot of great and excited staff um, that uh, I began to – That uh, Ranch Hope was one of the places that I, that I trained before the big grant that I'm going to talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks for that pause there. Let's go ahead. Tim, thanks for coming on today as well. Can you give us a little bit of a bio on who you are and what you do at Ranch Hope? Absolutely. Um, so as Frank mentioned, Ranch Hope is a, a residential treatment center for uh, teenagers in New Jersey, primarily boys. Um, I've been with the program for about nine years now. Uh, in my time there, I've served as a direct care staff, you know, front lines and, and uh, supervising our children. Um, we are a faith-based program, so I spent some time as the chaplain. And uh, currently, my responsibility is to recruit and train staff. So I work closely with our residential department, uh, staffing, and also just uh, ongoing development and training for uh, our, our residential staff as well. Um, we have a school on our campus uh, in addition to that. So uh, we have the residential component and, and the school component, much like Frank had already mentioned. And uh, I was introduced to Nurtured Heart back in August, so I'm relatively new to the whole world of Nurtured Heart, but um, we have another full-time staff in our program that was certified with me in August, and we've been rolling it out in our school since then, and uh, that's what brings me here today. Oh, fantastic. I can't wait to hear about that. Thank thank you so much for coming on today. Frank, I'm going to take it back to you, if you wouldn't mind. You mentioned you've been in the work in this business for 32 years working with kids with trauma, and then you went to the training seven and eight years ago, and you had that epiphany. Can we take it back to that moment? And what sure. was different about, because clearly you're an expert. I'm looking through your bio. You're clearly an expert in working with these most challenging kids. What was different um, about that training? Well, what was different about the training was um, so many things. But the thing that struck me the most was the idea that most of our, our the professional staff, and I include all the clinicians and therapists in that regard, most of our energy prior to me going to the Nurtured Heart Training with Howard Glasser, most of our energy gets devoted to kids when they're at their worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, um, the staff become much more engaged and much more passionate, from the direct care staff to the clinicians. I noticed that we pay way more attention and provide way more relationship to youth when they are acting in the worst versions of themselves. And that's what that's the first light that lit up for me when I was listening to Howard talk. He mm-hmm. was talking about the fact that we really become the most alive and the most emotionally connected to youth when they're at their worst. And uh, when they're doing well and showing their greatness and making good decisions and controlling their anger and getting along and following rules, it, things are a lot more boring. So when he introduced us to the three stands of the nurtured heart and helped us to see 
that it's about our our sustained, focused, and relational energy and when we choose to give it, and then the clarity with which we communicate, it turned my world upside down. I began, to, I, I think a lot about how many meetings I had in residential treatment centers with kids that were just not getting better. They came in with aggression and really dangerous behavior, and we would, uh, it, we would try a variety of approaches to convince them to change their, their behavior. And eventually, we'd get to this meeting where there was like five of us sitting in a, in a room trying to persuade the young man or young lady to please stop hitting people and, or you're just going to get buried in this system. And it just, it, 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 after I went to the talk with Howard Glasser and I learned about the nurtured heart, I realized that child was sitting at a table with five passionate, caring adults pouring love and, and attention and energy into this child, and the way the child earned their seat at the table was by becoming violent. Right. And that that just opened up a whole awareness to me because I had always been much more focused on what was going right in people's lives than what was going wrong. But as a therapist, I'd always focused on first asking people, tell me what's wrong in your life, tell me what you've tried, tell me how you failed, and they would get depressed and I would get depressed. So right. this approach really taught me that what we really need to do is make the world in our residential programs much more exciting and energizing when the youth are displaying cooperation, creativity, generosity, kindness, cooperation, all of that. And um, it, it really meant that I had to drastically change the way I was working with youth, I had to change all of my trainings. I had 26 mm -hmm. PowerPoints, mm -hmm. that, you know, that were the hallmark of all the different things that I trained on. After I went to that training, I had to change all of them because what I had thought were fundamental truths about how to inspire kids to discover the real self inside of them and not what the world has taught them they are. Um, I, 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 I was both excited and dismayed that I had been training with an, with a kind of an older approach that really isn't really isn't up to speed like the nurtured heart. So mm -hmm. I was uh, I would I never came out of a training so excited. And um, I, the other amazing thing about the training was watching Howard um, use the approach with us in the audience. You know, we would ask a question like I raised my hand and asked a question because I work with a very aggressive youth. And I said, you know, well, how does this work with kids that are so aggressive? And, you know, Howard responded by saying to me, you know what, just you asking that question tells me you're digging in and you really are passionate about really wanting to embrace and understand this approach. And I thought, gee, that feels good. Yeah. And it was just an example of him showing us that he not only trains us in this really awesome approach that builds on strengths and helps transform the lives of kids, but he lives it in everything that he does. So I was excited. I went out. I, I, uh, I couldn't wait to go to Tucson, so I went, um, I went to Syracuse with a bunch of other, uh, about 70 or 80 other people, and it was just a transformational moment in my life. And I began to immediately incorporate it in our school and in our residential, and we saw amazing differences in, 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 in the outcomes that we were having. So at that point, were you were you a clinical director? Were you in a leadership position to then come back and implement from top-down position? 
Yeah, the program I was in when I first learned about the Nurtured Heart was uh, the Children's Home, which, again, was that large residential. And I, right. my, my title was the Assistant Executive Director, so I was the second in command. I okay. completely uh, convinced my Executive Director that we should do it, and uh, and we began to do it. And then I had an arrangement where I was working there, but one day a week I was allowed to go out and train. So I was really working there four days a week and then training privately one day a week. So while I was changing the culture in our entire program, I was also out helping changing the cultures in other programs like um, like Ranch Hope. And um, And the other thing that I brought to New Jersey was that we didn't just want to use the nurtured heart with the youth, but we wanted to use it as a model of how supervisors and leaders in the residential program should be relating to their staff. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, that was exciting because I had a lot of staff saying to me, we love this idea of energizing good behavior and kind of you know, setting limits without drama, uh, and, and we love it. But we feel like sometimes in our supervision, our supervisors are energizing everything we do wrong and not energizing everything we do that is dedicated and committed and good. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another revolution that we've got going in New Jersey, uh, which is we want nurtured heart environments for, uh, for the staff and for the youth that, you know, use the three stands, use recognition statements, and, and focus on the power of where you choose to send your relational energy and how clearly you communicate the things you appreciate so that you grow them. Mm-hmm. That's such a great example to me of the idea of nurture heart approach not being about the child, not being about the behavior, but really being our process, our individual process, and the child or the supervisee or whoever gets the benefit of coming along for the ride with our process of changing how we show up. Um, I love that. Did you hit resistance from folks, or were they so... I'm assuming if things aren't going well, if you're not getting the success that you're looking for, that you know maybe someone coming in with this really radically new paradigm. How was that received from folks, kind of in the front lines, working with? Well, these in kids? my in my own program, I brought it to the school first, and it was a school for 90 teenagers. I call them the Navy SEALs of acting out kids because right. in, in order to send kids to our school, they had to be both qualified for residential and the school districts had to be prepared to pay significant amounts of money rather than send them to their own districts, which means right. the children were tearing up, tearing the place up. Right. And, so by um, definition, we don't know what to do with these kids. Nothing's working. That, that's it. This is where right. every, uh, every kid was, had successfully defeated every of their community's efforts to, keep, right. to maintain their behavior and to try to help them to live a more positive life, a less aggressive life, and address their trauma. So when I went to the school, and I first of all, and I said I'm going to teach you about the nurtured heart. The first thing that problem they had was the name, yeah, uh, because they felt like these are tough kids, and we need a tough approach. And again, at the core was was a philosophy that's still embedded in New Jersey, which is our job is to control kids. Mm-hmm. And and so when kids are getting aggressive, we're in New Jersey. Um, a lot of times resorting to be strict behavior mod systems, uh, lots of good things if you do well, you know, some consequences if you don't, and right. physical restraint when you get aggressive or begin to get aggressive and you present a danger to self or others. Right. And so when they heard Nurtured Heart, they said, how can this possibly be powerful enough to 
manage our kids safely because, you know, it gets dangerous here. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's interesting because um, I had to convince them that I wasn't going to take away all of their current tools until we really understood the model. But we came upon a compromise, which was for the first year of me implementing it at my program, we implemented just the first stand. Don't energize negativity. Say no to energizing negativity. And we had uh, that's all we did the first year. Don't go on and on when kids, when you're setting limits. Don't go on and on after there's been a bad episode. And right. there was one teacher in, in, in particular at our school who ha- had a way. The kids loved her, and she had, but she, because she was so good with kids, she got a lot of the worst kids in the school. And um, one of her tactics was when you upset her or she violated a rule, she'd pull you aside and give you a real tongue lashing, not in a nasty way, but in a kind right. of like a motherly way. Right. And, and I used to observe the kids getting hearing from this teacher when she was angry, and I could see that they enjoyed the energy. They enjoyed the connection. They enjoyed the fact that she cared so much about them. And, they, right. and, and when I watched her class, I noticed that she became much more alive when she was disciplining them than when she was recognizing the good things that they were doing. So she was my big test case to see if I could get her to uh, to adopt the approach, and she eventually did, but it was tough. And her mm-hmm. the vice principal of the school was her buddy, and she would see her energizing, you know, spending a lot of time talking to a kid right after they had done something, violated a rule, and, she, and her friend, the vice principal, would walk by and go, don't energize, don't energize, <laughs> and kind of coach her. And she became, she, she was a wonderful teacher who felt passionately about her kids, but her passion came out more abundantly when they would really upset her than when they would right. really please her. And all I had to do was change that energy, stop energizing when they're acting out, and, 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 and make the connection they so desperately need from you happen more abundantly when they're showing you their greatness. And that, that took a while. But once she flipped, a lot of the other teachers adopted it. Um, so after that first year, we started moving on to stand two and stand three. And I, because of a lot of turnover in the school and because the program was growing greatly, there were other challenges of maintaining it. But overall, it became a very, very um, successful approach in decreasing the amount of restraints, decreasing the amount of runaways, decreasing the amount of in-school suspension trips, and, uh, you know, I was gathering that data, uh, and it was very, very powerful that we, had, we were on to something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a good time, Tim. We're gonna, I'm, I'd like to hear from you. You are in that environment. You have been doing this now just for a short time. Tell me about your experience. Tell us about your experience in doing exactly what Frank is talking about. Yeah, um, just to piggyback off of some of the comments that you made, um, you asked Frank about resistance. And uh, mm-hmm. I would say loud and clear, yes, you know, there, there's resistance, mm-hmm. um, you know, between our staff and our students because it, it's a shift in the way that you're seeing someone. Um, you know, you're kind of redefining your whole perspective on, um, you know, the behavior, the, the person behind the behavior and the causes of it and all those kinds of things. Um, we started rolling it out in our school, and um, it's definitely been a journey. Uh, we started in September, and, um, you know, we've had some staff that have been eager 
um, and, and very excited and enthusiastic to really practice some of the habits of not energizing negative behavior and, you know, finding ways to create success and, and pour out lots of energy for positivity. Um, and we've had some staff that have that have struggled a little bit and are still trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to talk the vocabulary and how to really apply it in real time. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the biggest challenges and one of the biggest blessings is it's not um, it's not a technical manual on what to say in every situation. It's it's more of a way of how to think, and mm-hmm. it's it's more of a guideline, you know, for our staff. And uh, sometimes planting that seed and, and letting it you know grow and, and watering it takes a little bit of time. But um, you know we're definitely seeing right now just our students really exploring it. Uh, we're definitely seeing our staff um, try to figure out when it comes time to, to set limits. And, you know, Frank mentioned aggressive kids and, and violent kids, and, and we certainly have um, the, the exact same population. So we're also trying to figure out how this all works, you know, leading up to a, a kid that's physically aggressive and, and how that all plays out. But uh, I think overall it's definitely been some great discussions that we're having um, as we sit down and you know, review our kids and their trauma and, and the abuse and neglect they've been through and uh, just how conventionally if we come in and, and decide that we need to penalize heavier and and really, you know, make them wake up and smell the coffee, it, it's just not going to change their life. So um in our school it it's been a it's been a process for sure. But um I think as Frank mentioned, we're we're trying to take it in small pieces. We're trying to roll it out and not, you know, change everything overnight and we're trying to um, implement different aspects of it, and it's definitely been interesting to see how that's gone so far. But I think there's a lot of work in front of us, and, and, and things are things are definitely moving. Did you have that same moment of epiphany of holy smokes? You know, we've been doing what what we've been doing is so upside down with where we need to go to get these kids to really shift long term from the inside out. Um, when I was with Howie down in uh, Atlantic City in August, mm. um, probably like most people, when you first sit through it the first couple hours or the first couple of days, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but, you know, I've got kids that act like this, or I can think right. of students in our program who would totally not respond to this. Um, when when you get done, though, and you look at the whole thing, um, it does resonate, you know. Um, you, you see firsthand how heavier consequences and, and pouring out our efforts and our energy uh, in negative aspects it, it's not producing the results that we all want. So there's certainly that uh, energy and that enthusiasm when you hear it for the first time and you think, wow, maybe maybe there's another way to try this. And uh, I would say that, that definitely there was parts of it that resonated in my heart. Um, you know, how he's big on the word epiphany, and uh, he mm-hmm. would always give breaks in his trainings for epiphany moments. And uh, sometimes you wish there was a couple of hours to just sit there and kind of reflect on all that's going on in your head, but Overall, I think uh, myself and my partner that went to get trained, we, we definitely had moments where we, you know, after the training sat for an hour and just kind of unpacked everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it was that kind of an experience. Did you have a different epiphany? I'm thinking of your role as a chaplain or your former role as a chaplain and that idea of really seeing the heart of a child and what is their truest essence in their core. You know, did, how did you wrap your head around it from that part of you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mentioned we're a faith-based program, and I was very interested to see what the relationship was going to be between Nurtured Heart and our um, our, our mission statement. Um, we're a Christian mm-hmm. facility, and I was I was curious to see what kind of connections and what kind of overlap there would be. Um, 
going into it, um, as an individual, I was always a, a staff and a trainer that had the goal of getting our staff to love our kids. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I really love what Frank said. We're not here to control them. You know, they need love. Uh, they need opportunity. They need to be built up. So coming from a chaplain background um, and working in the environment that I do, there was definitely um, some work for me and my partner to sit down and kind of translate all of this for us and, and, and bring it back to our program and explain how this fits in line with, you know, our ultimate mission of, of bringing hope to these kids. Um, I would say that the epiphanies that I had, you know, throughout the week in uh, in the, the certified training with Howie were just really bringing consistency and clarity. It, it's good to have a vocabulary for some of these things. And um, I, I think overall it's nice just to present something to our staff that's concise and straightforward. It's three simple stands. And, uh, you know, we can kind of explore that from from a biblical perspective for us on, on what that means to love someone in this way. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love that. So well, welcome to the group. I'm so glad that you're you're here and part of this group now. Um, so this was eight years ago, right, when we're implementing this now with you, Frank. Flash forward, now we've got all this momentum. I mean, the topic today is, what, Nurtured Heart Momentum, Building Momentum in New Jersey. Let's take it forward a little bit to kind of, you know, what were the steps for you next, taking this bigger in your state? Well, I'd, I'd love to talk about that. Um, to say we're excited is an understatement, but in October, uh, after a lot of work and collaboration, New Jersey was awarded a $12 million grant from SAMHSA, which is the uh, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration out of the federal government, um, that uh, they, ought, they gave us the money, and what the grant says that we're supposed to do is in our entire children's serving system of care, which I, I, I don't think I'm tooting or harm too much to say that New Jersey's <laughs> got a very good comprehensive system for youth uh, all the way from outpatient treatment all the way to the deepest residential inpatient uh, kind of care. It's very well coordinated. It's very, uh, very well uh, designed, um, and um, we... We, SAMHSA loves our system. There are many, many states come to New Jersey, many countries. China just came to New Jersey to look at our children's system of care. And so we, SAMHSA kind of put a challenge out to New Jersey and basically said, you've got an awesome system, but we'd really, really like to see you stop physical restraint. And mm. New Jersey's leadership said, we'd love to. And they said, well, how about we... You, you submit a grant, and they submitted the grant, and the grant is in two parts. The first part is that, that we're to train every residential care program in New Jersey, every care management organization that works for the state, and, and we also have these things called family service offices that are staffed by actual parents of kids in the system. And wow. their job is to support parents, make sure parent voice gets heard, so all of the residentials, all of the care management organizations, all of the family service organizations, thousands and thousands of staff all over New Jersey are going to get trained in the Nurtured Heart approach. The state of New Jersey wants the Nurtured Heart approach to be the language of how we work with youth. And, uh, and, they feed, and they're pairing that with another initiative, another set uh, approach called the Six Core Strategies to Reduce Seclusion and Restraint which is an evidence-based program 
for organizations like residentials to methodically take steps to find alternate ways of helping kids calm themselves down that do not involve physically holding them because mm-hmm. it, it just is traumatizing and re-traumatizing for yeah. staff and for you. So the initiative is mostly uh, a lot of nurtured heart training, and then it's also the trauma-informed care and the six core strategies. So my, I, I immediately said I want in on this. You know, I, I, I had advocated strongly that it get put into the state, and it was. And then um, I, Rutgers University has a training department, and they contract with the state of New Jersey their job is to roll this initiative out, roll all the training out, and I'm a senior trainer there now. And my job is to go to residentials and train them in the nurtured heart, train them in these other approaches, and then coach them for nine months minimum to coach them to create teams to roll out the nurtured heart so that it becomes alive and well and living in the culture of the program. So I couldn't, I I just found my dream job. Yeah, no doubt. That was an incredible mouthful, and my brain kind of didn't continue on with you totally after I wrapped around the idea of this $12 million federal grant. Um, how did that happen? Who that Was that you? Was that – how did that happen? Well, I'll try to make this concise and, and, and give it the most accurate version. I'm, okay. I worked for the state for a year and made a lot of friends there about 10 years ago. Uh, when I, I was traveling around doing the Nurtured Heart, the word got to the state that I was having tremendous success working with children in residential care, and many residentials called the state and said, you should really think about this Nurtured Heart thing. Now, the deputy commissioner who runs the Children's System of Care in New Jersey, her name is Liz Manley, Liz Manley uh, had also seen me talk and had known me, which I didn't really know her, but she had seen me talk when she was in other positions in the state. So her and I got to talking along with a few other people, and they were trying to figure out what to put into the grant in, in addition to the six core strategies. And um, let's just say that they landed on Nurtured Heart, and and they're very they're, the, the support I'm getting in New Jersey and the enthusiasm from the deputy commissioner and the commissioner of, of, of all of youth services in New Jersey, is they're, the, they're just so on fire about it. And mm-hmm. then, to, then I brought Howie out to New Jersey uh, last year in August, and um, just, be, just right around the same time he was doing the certification training, I think it was right after, and I did this big training where 150 people came, and, and they were coming from leaders in the state, leaders in residential, therapists, teachers, parents. I, it, it, we sold the place out. Howie did a fantastic job. That sealed the deal for the, uh, for the grant. And then wow. SAMHSA awarded the grant and the whole state. I've never seen uh, state employees so excited about something, but they're, they're just thrilled that we're going to have one way of working, one way of talking to kids with a variety mm-hmm. of other clinical approaches mixed in. We're not mm-hmm. replacing clinical models, but we really want case managers talking this way. We want families. Oh, and the families are going to be trained. When we're done with this, Catherine, we're going to have 250 certified nurtured heart trainers in New Jersey. 
That is incredible. I'm smiling ear to ear, and I'm wishing that Howie was on this call because he must be absolutely beside himself with this momentum in New Jersey. Well, you know he's an enthusiastic guy. But right. when, we, when him and I have been talking over the last few weeks about the 50 people ready to come next week from all of the, Saint, the care management organizations, the residential programs, handpicked the best of the best to come and then they're and and to learn this approach and then to go out and spread it and then for the residentials me and my other coaches we go out and we really help them get it into the culture we really help them get past the obstacles but the thing that's happening that's amazing is everybody agrees what we're doing right now isn't working everybody loves the nurtured heart and everybody is really really getting a lot of support with this $12 million. You can do a lot with $12 million. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing the enthusiasm in your voice, and it's got to be so satisfying to know, you know, how much of this is your your baby. And others of you, Sherry Blair, and the others that are in in New Jersey, all of you have been really pushing this and that that region. So what's next? So next you have a training coming up next week, best of the best. They go out, and then tell me about the next steps kind of, Well, the next steps are, um, and we're kind of still inventing it, and we're still we're still figuring out. But we get these 50 people out; they they get back to their organizations and they start rolling it out. Again, the coaching part is really for the residential providers because we're coaching them on using nurtured heart, but we're also coaching them on really becoming more trauma informed, which nurtured heart is very much aligned with trauma-informed principles. Um, right. And, um, and so we're, right now I'm coaching four or five different residentials with the team. We're, we're taking, like, different sections of New Jersey, and we have five phases of the program. So we're in phase one. We're training. Once these people all leave this training and go out, we've got to develop, um, and I've been talking to Tanya about this, we've got to develop some sort of support uh, some sort of super user groups mm-hmm. so that when they get to their agencies and to their families and to everything else and start rolling this out, whatever obstacles they encounter, we can give them some technical assistance so that they can get past them. And, right. um, and then we just replicate it every, like, f- six months. We just replicate it with another group of residentials, another group of care management organizations. Interesting thing, Catherine, is... Child welfare wasn't included in this grant. Hmm. Um, we have a you know a division of child protection and permanency. It's called a variety of things, but they're the child welfare department. They right. were not. They, they are very interested in seeing how they can get it. Schools in New Jersey are very upset and want in on this. <laughs> um, and, and everybody wants. It's the hottest. I can't. I'm not over playing this. It's, yeah. it's, it's the hottest thing. I've ever seen where providers who are usually kind of worn out and tired and yep. and not real thrilled with their state-funded administrators sometimes because they always think they're not getting enough money, which in a lot of cases is true, um, are enthusiastic and partnering with the state, wanting this to be a huge success and a model for the country. Right, right. Right. I can only imagine. I, I talk about this a lot on the show, the idea of when you're doing what you're doing and you're not seeing any positive change and things are getting worse and you're getting burned out, and then you try something where you go, holy cow, this actually is, 
you know, transforming the lives of children. And I feel energized and not beat down. And it is this momentum-building process. So I'm not surprised that, you know, all the other organizations and groups and agencies in your area um, are no doubt going to want to be involved in this. For those who are not in your state, you know, what are we watching for? What what do we do to kind of watch what you do and kind of follow in your in your heels? Well, there's one thing I want to mention that there's a portion of this grant devoted to what they call return on investment, mm-hmm. which is a, a there are four researchers at Rutgers who are going to do a research project, and what they're going to be looking at is broadly does the six core strategies and the nurtured heart approach when it's implemented, seem to have a positive impact on reducing restraint, shortening stays, and lowering Medicaid costs in New Jersey. I hate to, I hate to say this, but the truth is um, the, the mo- one of the most powerful things that gets something moving is, should be that it's transforming lives of kids, but a lot of times when it comes to legislators, it's money. Sure. If if they if if we can show in New Jersey from our research component that there is a d- distinctive shortening of stays and reduction of restraint and mm-hmm. ultimately less resources being devoted to a very small amount of kids in residential compared to the total number of kids that are in all kinds of other kinds of services that are less restrictive, I think we're going to be getting calls from other states saying, we would like to um, see the model you're using in New Jersey, and we'd like to apply for a grant. And the other part of it is that Howie and I have talked about is um, publishing some articles and Mm -hmm. um, beginning the process of making Nurtured Heart evidence-based, which will open it up to a lot of other uh, state and federal funding grants. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you holding on to your hat, Frank? Because I think you better in the next year or so. Wow. I can only imagine the journey that you are stepping onto at this point. You should see our team meetings at Rutgers when we're, we're, we're just – we've got the best of the best trauma experts, mm-hmm. family advocates, uh, you know, uh, just very powerful trainers and powerful, educated, very experienced people in the field of working with traumatized youth, and they're mm-hmm. all on our team, and our team is out there just inspiring the state. And when we, we, we just are, all of us are pinching ourselves. Mo- most mm-hmm. of us left really good jobs uh, because we could not pass the opportunity to be co- become part of something so special as mm-hmm. this statewide initiative to transform our system in this way and to be part of something as exciting as the Nurture Heart approach is. That's so exciting. Tim, did you have any idea that this this level of momentum was happening in your state? No, I about? mean, yeah, it's it's exciting to hear about it. I think sometimes in the daily responsibilities on you know, uh-huh. what we do at Ranch Hope, you get really focused on what's happening in our own program. Um, and I, I haven't uh, spoken to Frank for a little bit of time now, but it'd be awesome just to sit down and review some of these things, that, you know, from 30,000 feet. Um, I can say that I, I was not aware of the extent of all of this. Uh, I knew about the grant. I knew about some of the mandates that were coming. But, um, you know, just to hear that there's enthusiasm and, and unity 
um, in in how this is being embraced. It's uh, it's encouraging. It's definitely exciting. Wow. Uh, it's, it's 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 I've been hearing. You know, we're going to be the grant goes till the end of 2019. Okay. And some programs in various parts of New Jersey are in the last phase, phase five, and phase five is like in 2019, and they're not happy. <laughs> and actually, some uh, one of the programs that's in the fifth phase um, sent three people to Tucson to the January CTI and said, we're not waiting, mm-hmm. which kind of upset our researchers because the researchers are saying, that's going to mess up our experimental design. Right. by having a phase get educated about it beforehand. But this is not something that you can stop. Right. Um, and so um, a lot, some agencies that are in the later phases are upset. But is there a better problem you can have with an initiative that the state is sponsoring that people are mad that they're not in earlier stages so that they can right. have it longer? Right, right. Well, I'm you know, I'm just shaking my head and, and trying to wrap my head around all of this, Frank. It's it's so incredible um what you guys are doing there. It really is remarkable. Um gosh. I you know, I'm not even sure where to go from there. I'm still just kind of reeling in, in the the taking it all in. I you know I do have a question for you. You are you're a professor, do you teach at Rutgers, correct? Yes, I teach are at Rutgers. Are you targeting I, I, are you go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to ask if you guys are doing with mental health, mental health training and people who are kind of coming out of, you know, MSW programs where you were there at Rutgers. Are you kind of targeting that population as well, people who are new coming out into the career field of mental health and supporting kids? Actually, the um, where I teach um, is uh, I do um, trainings for Rutgers for continuing ed and, like, okay. post-master's people. We get a, a, all of the... Most of the state's direct care staff uh, and clinical staff, we have this cool thing in New Jersey, let me back up a second, where the Rutgers, I told you, has a contract to provide all training for the state children's system of care. Mm-hmm. And we provide unbelievable array of trainings that all provide continuing ed hours for anybody in the state who wants to go for free. Wow. Which, which is awesome, and I train in there. I also train for the Rutgers School of Social Work where I do, again, tr- but it's post-master's training. Mm-hmm. The actual mm-hmm. social work students getting their MSWs, um, they're not really the target of, of the where I train at. I don't, I, I, I'm actually, in the fall, I'm probably going to be teaching a class on the children's system of care at the School of Social Work. But for now, but basically I offer postgraduate trainings. Excellent. So that's really what my role is with, as, in terms of as an instructor for Rutgers. Amazing. I need to interrupt our conversation just for a second. Um, we had the bell kind of chiming in. I want to invite listeners to become followers of the Nurtured Heart Approach channel on Blog Talk Radio. All of our podcasts are archived within a couple hours of airing and are available on demand via the blogtalkradio.com backslash Nurtured Heart Approach channel. If you're interested in becoming a certified Nurtured Heart Approach trainer, I encourage you to consider coming to one of the upcoming certification training intensive week-long trainings. They really are transformational digging in deep to the approach. For more information on these trainings, you can go to Nurture Heart Approach um, tab, training tab on childrensuccessfoundation.com. 
All right, back to you guys. We need to wrap this conversation up um, fairly quickly. Uh, you have a really exciting week coming up next week, Frank. Yes. Um, I can only imagine. Do you, you family? You have kids. Family? Are you a family man as well? Yeah, I, I have. I have uh, two grown sons. Um, okay. That I tell I'm stories sh- about in my trainings because uh, my oldest son really uh, gave me a run for my money, and I could have used yeah. the nurture heart earlier, but it, as, it, as it stands, it worked out quite effectively, even as an older young man. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine how you're balancing life with all of that you have going um, in front of you and on your plate. So do take care of yourself coming forward into the next year or two because you are going to be, I'm sure, fairly frenetic in the pace of life that you will be living. Um, Last parting words that you want to let people know about New Jersey and what's coming up and just some momentum-building encouragement from you from where you are in New Jersey, Frank. I I think... um what I'd like to say is that I uh, really appreciate the leadership in the state in New Jersey for embracing the nurtured heart and embracing a, 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 a commitment for a better system and a better quality of care for youth. Uh, I really uh, love being a part of it. I think I'm blessed to be a part of a great team at Rutgers. And I just uh, want to say the nurtured heart um, is a, uh, is an approach that just keeps on giving to me. Uh, the more I energize um, the the great qualities in the children I work with, the staff I work with, the more I see those that greatness growing. And I mm-hmm. just uh, I'm just very excited to be in this position. And it, it, you're right, it's a lot of work, but it's a it's a it's 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 really my passion. And I'm yep. just so grateful to have been learned about the nurtured heart and to be a part of this great initiative. We are so grateful that you're blazing a trail in that corner of the country. Tim, how about you? Some words, uh, parting words for people who are listening or just some parting words about the conversation. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's awesome just to kind of reflect on the whole momentum that's taking place in the state right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to anyone who's listening and, and not familiar with the Nurture Heart, um, you know, I would encourage them just to, uh, you know, keep an open mind and consider um, some of the things that we talked about, you know, in this podcast, just a different perspective on these kids and a different perspective on, on relationships. Um, I think as you really start to experience it, and I know in our program, you know, on the front lines, challenges some deep-rooted convictions about um, just how to work with this population. And um, overall, I think, you know, definitely takes patience and, and consistency. But um, it's it's been an exciting journey, and um, I'm excited to see what, what the future holds, you know. And particularly for our program, what what that will mean for us moving forward and just where the state goes with this. So it's definitely something to uh, learn about and read about and, uh, you know, something that I'm excited to see what's next. Fantastic. Tim, thank you. That was beautifully stated. And I'm so, I, I truly mean this from my heart, I'm so glad that you are doing what you're doing. I'm glad that you've learned the approach, that you're there, you know, in the front line and training the people that you're supporting and the kids that you're supporting there. Um, at Ranch Hope. So thank you for that. I wish you absolute continued transformation yourself as you begin this journey in Nurtured Heart. And Frank, oh my goodness, I am so honored to have had this conversation with you. You are no doubt one of the most tenacious and fearless uh, warriors out there for kids in New Jersey, and I can't wait to see what happens there and watch how the ripple affects kids and children's health care and children's systems of care throughout the country. So thank you for doing what you're doing and being so committed to it um, and putting yourself in so deeply into this transformation in New Jersey. 
Well, thank you so much for that compliment, and thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. I'm uh, always, always uh, excited about talking about things that work and change yeah. the lives for the better for kids and for staff, and I'm just committed to continuing to go it with, with all my other certified and advanced trainers in New Jersey. We're going to have a big, big crew pretty soon, and I'm just excited to see the greatness that comes out of each of their unique contributions. I love it. I love it. I think once we move past that that title that trips us up once in a while, I know this idea of this soft this soft program called Nurtured Heart Approach, and we see what it really is. Um, yeah. You are such a perfect example of the truth of what Nurtured Heart really is and what can happen when you just really live it. So thank you. Thank you both for coming on. Thank you for any listener listening today or listening later to an archived uh, podcast showing. Um, we really appreciate your intention and your commitment to learning more about the approach. And until then, until next time, we look forward to having a conversation next month. And I wish you both a fantastic next week. And Frank, carry on. Thank you, Catherine. You you do as well. Thank you, guys. Have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Okay. Bye bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Any stories shared in this broadcast are amalgams of experiences based on the use of the Nurtured Heart Approach by our hosts and our guests and are not based on any particular person, child, or adult. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.